With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This crowd rises to its feet. Picaro slammed it home. Garland left wing, three ball. Perfect. Garland in front of the lane, locked the Mobley, pow. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Pow with the left hand and a foul. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Roan. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Fubo TV. Watch over 100 channels of live sports and TV for half the cost of cable. There's no contract and no commitment. Try for free at FuboTV.com. Preseason is finally here. We are getting a sample of almost basketball. I couldn't be more excited. And joining me to discuss the Cavs' first two preseason games is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Thank you to everyone who's joining us. I hope you're second screening us. While the guards uh, square off with the Yankees, a runner, uh, a base is loaded in the third inning. A, a run already scored. What a fun start after the most anemic wild card series you've ever seen offensively for the guards. Uh, it's a fun time to be a sports fan in Cleveland right now. I honestly feel like we are letting down some of our, our Cleveland fans right now because I didn't. I've maybe watched like seven innings of baseball in my entire life, and I in turned your whole on life. Really? Yeah, yeah. I I've played like a lot of softball, but baseball just hasn't done it for me. I, I've I've watched uh, like the Winnipeg Gold Eyes in person a couple times, gone out to a game there, but that that doesn't count at all. But I turned on the fifteenth inning because I just saw everyone tweeting about it for hours, and I was like, okay, this this looks like a little bit of history. I got some time before I'm going out, and within. Five minutes of me turning it on, the Guardians hit a home run and they won it. So I, I feel like I'm letting everybody down by not watching, but it sounds like they're doing well right now. Good vibes. Good vibes for the boys. And yes, you are the reason they won mm-hmm. after all. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad you were able to kind of sift through that and, and realize that once again, I'm making everything about me. You always do, Justin. Um, but, you know, it, it's uh, it's been fun, um, you know, uh, to kick it back to the cabs. We're two preseason games in. Uh, the first one was super duper fun. Second one, not so much. What are you? How are you feeling? What are your takeaways, my friend? Yeah, um, I'm feeling pretty good so far. Um, I saw some stuff that that was interesting through these first two games. Uh, 
I obviously noticed uh, in game two that first quarter was uh, not at full speed. I, I was uh, the turkey was sitting heavy after Canadian Thanksgiving, and it looked like that was the case for some of these uh, guys as well. Um, I think Philly kind of going small ball was disruptive to them. Like you could tell that they were thinking a little more than they had in the first game. And I don't know if that was necessarily small ball. I don't know if it's because they were trying to implement some different things. But the fit felt a lot more natural in that first game. Although I did feel like the Cavs kind of found a little bit of a groove in the second and third quarters. Uh, they, they cut it to a one possession game near the end of both of those quarters. And, you know, that's an encouraging sign that you kind of work through things. But at the end of the day, I, I try to watch preseason without even looking at the score because, Really, these guys are trying to work through some stuff, get a sweat, not get injured. It's not going to be at full speed, so it's hard to judge everything that's going on out there. But I definitely felt that there there was a lot of interesting takeaways uh, through those first two games. Yeah, I think we should start with, you know, obviously the the, the marquee thing, at least to me, which was is the Donovan Mitchell-Darius Garland pairing, because I came away really impressed with how ready uh, both Mitchell and Garland uh, seem to be to pair up mm -hmm. together, as well as how ready the coaching staff was. Um, Steve Jones, friend of the pod, did a really great thread of just the kind of sets they were doing, uh, the way they would kind of load up the strong side and then have a weak side action to to get one of the other, get either Garland or Mitchell the ball with an, with an advantage. And it seems like JB was, you know, I, I thought there would be more of an adjustment period for them to start to start really coming with good ideas from Jump Street. And that's not been the case. No, it hasn't. And I, I think to some extent, they're probably able to do some of the stuff that they were hoping to do with Garland and Sexton last year, right? Like I obviously Mitchell that's a good brings point. Garland or Mitchell brings a little bit more to the table. But even when you're talking about like having him come off a pin down, it was probably something that they were anticipating doing with Ochai if he was on the team. You're able to do some of the sex and sets like that's the real benefit of having Donovan Mitchell is he can attack in so many different ways. I think the, the second game, he didn't necessarily have the, the best touch. But I do like that in both of these games, as they're trying to figure things out, you have Mitchell having more points than shots. That that wasn't something that happened a ton even in Utah, right? Like, I think in the first game, you could tell the fit of Garland and Mitchell worked really well. Like, I, I thought their chemistry was great. They were playing off of one another well. Both of them were kind of getting their opportunities both on and off ball. Second game, you know, the, the shots aren't falling. And when the shots don't fall the, the same way they did in that first game, you start to think a little bit more, right? Like, that's a natural thing to happen with basketball. And I, I think they were thinking a little bit too much in that first quarter. But I did think as the game progressed, um, they got a, a little bit more comfortable. And I, I think the, the thing that's really obvious to me and kind of jumped out is this is still kind of... Garland is still at the wheel when it comes to this team. And I, I think the fact that they both seem to accept that and understand, hey, you're going to be the engine, you're going to be the guy driving this thing, and I'm going to learn how to play off of you. I think that makes it a lot easier versus if you think back to post-decision Miami in that first year, you know, there was kind of a, a little bit more of a your stand turn, around turn. and your turn, my turn, who's got the keys, who who should really have the keys. Like it, all that stuff was weird and awkward. And I haven't felt that dynamic with these two. It's going to take some time for them to figure out how to play with each other and maximize each other's gifts. But I, I do think that it, it's been a more natural fit uh, than I had even hoped. 
Yeah, and and any concerns I had about Donnie off ball, um, they gone. <laughs> yeah. uh, this this guy uh, looks really really comfortable as a catch and shoot player. Um, right away, mm-hmm. he is loading up for the shot as the ball is on his on the way to him. You know, and you know that is something that really differentiates high volume sh- shooters from low volume shooters is. A closeout can really dissuade someone who isn't prepared to shoot the second the ball hits their hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a play in the second game. I, I uh, early on it was the first made three of the game for him, where the closeout was coming and it was on time and on target. But because he caught the ball with the intention of shooting um, right away and and you know rose up, even though there was a closeout, it didn't affect his form and it didn't affect his release, and he drained it. And I think those are the kind of shots that the Cavs didn't have a lot of last year. I mean, Lowry was really the only one uh, who was taking those. So Kevin as well, but none from the guard position because, uh, you know, frankly, Darius just didn't get as many spot up attempts uh, as the season wore on because there was no other creators on the court. So I think you really see that dynamic. I do think that, uh, you know, duh statement here, but I do think they're going to look to play offense a lot more like how they played in game one than they did in game <laughs> two, uh, getting up 23s uh, in the first half. Uh, which, uh, so you know, so do the good things instead of the not as good things. Correct. You know, okay. I, I know it's uh, it's some crazy stuff I'm asking out of JB. Um, but, you know, I think that uh, you look at the way that they were kind of everyone was was looking to get threes up. Uh, Dean Wade has uh, fired on a very quick trigger as well mm-hmm. uh, from a catch and shoot perspective. So uh, I, I think that you kind of saw the offense almost ahead of the defense. And that's not super surprising given that Mobley hasn't played yet. But to me, I think the offense has been really, really sharp uh, whenever they, you know, whenever they lock in and play decisively. Uh, yeah, I agree. And it's, it's interesting too, because we saw last year as the season kind of progressed, we saw JB move Lowry to that weak side corner and like w- whether it's a coral or someone else there on the strong side, that seemed to be the best way when they were running the pick and roll. I really like the fact that now you can have either Mitchell or Garland running offense on one side of the court. And then you have the other one on the weak side, because if that ball swings to them, they're attacking. Now you have that same threat of a shooter that you had with Lowry Markinen, although both are better shooters, but they also are now able to attack a destabilized defense. And I think you saw multiple opportunities where the ball swung to Mitchell or swung to Garland, and then they drive baseline and they create an opportunity for someone else. That that dish to uh, Okoro from Mitchell in that first game was, was so exciting because that was the type of activity that we wanted to see from Isaac, right? Like recognizing that the opportunity to slash and that the defense isn't paying attention to you, make them pay for not looking at you. Even if the three-point shot is going to take some time, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into Okoro a little bit later, even if that's going to take some time, being active off ball instead of standing around and finding those passing lanes and making sure that the defense has to account for you is a major step up from where he was last year. And I I just think the chemistry of Garland and Mitchell and what they're able to unlock for the entire roster is a really, really encouraging sign. Yeah. I I feel like the, the ceiling on this Cavs offense is just way higher. Um, You know, which I mean a little bit duh, but like you do want to see it happen. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the interplay between those two is really, really good on the offensive side of the ball. I'm not, I didn't really leave, uh, either game worried that 
the balance of usage is going to be a miss. Like none of those concerns are in my head right now. Now, uh, I think the spacing stuff is an interesting thing to look at, you know, because that first game, you know, in part looked so good because Kevin Love was at the starting four and making it freaking rain <laughs> early on. Um, you know, do you, how do you feel about, you know, the overall spacing, especially with Levert at the three uh, once Mobley's back? Yeah, it's really hard to say because even if Mobley hasn't necessarily added a three-point shot or like a consistent high-volume three-point shot, if he is at the point where he's draining like that mid-range shot and, and he's more assertive on the offensive end, he's going to have real gravity to him because you don't want to lay off too much because then you're giving him a head of steam, right? Like that the same dynamic is usually in play with Giannis where you don't want to let the seven-footer with long arms come at you with steam and be able to kind of leverage their length to get by you or or to get an easy shot. So um, I, I'm interested to see how the spacing looks. Uh, I, I you could definitely tell in that second game that there were times where Mitchell wasn't used to kind of the the lack of spacing because for him this is a, a step back because Utah had so many three point shooters around him at all times whereas for everyone else on the Cavs compared to what they were working with last year it's a step up in terms of spacing so uh, I'm interested to see what it looks like with Mobley in the mix I think Karras has looked really good um, I this is one of those things where if my preconceived notion of what the starting lineup should be was Karis LeVert should start at the three, the sample size that I've seen in these two games would have me all in on that. But I, I've kind of been an archetype over talent guy uh, when we've discussed the starting lineup in the past, like kind of leading up to these preseason games, which is against my entire vibe and my entire essence. Uh, but I've been really impressed with the, the way that Karis LeVert has kind of bought into playing team basketball the way that he's pushing the pace i like the fact that if the rebound goes to him or uh if he's the closest man to the ball he can bring it up and allow garland and mitchell to to play off ball and run the length of the court like i i'd like the concept of having three ball handlers out there and and whether it's starting or or whether you use it at other points of the game what i've seen from those three together is enough to make me say i want to see this within the flow of the rotation on on a nightly basis like I, I think they're pretty dynamic as a trio together well i remember last year or maybe it was i think it was actually the off season because we were talking about the backup point card spot and you kind of broke down karis's playmaking numbers and kind of noted that compared to the available free agency field karis was you know by some metrics the best playmaker of the group yeah um and you know i think we've seen some of that where like, and I thought, and I felt that this way even in the uh, play-in games, where I thought he was making some pretty good reads, even if the jumper was, uh, you know, pretty hit and miss uh, early on. I think he's made quite a few good, uh, good passes uh, early on in preseason. I still, you know, I, I, and I think, you know, just watching the games, because uh, I have been on team start Okoro or start Wade, mm -hmm. um, just because of, you know, just personal preference, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I, watching the games, it is so easy to understand why, you know, by, you know, Chris Fedor's reporting, it seems like Karras might be the favorite because yeah. he's so clearly the best wing on the team right now. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like in terms of just his actual, you know, skill on the court. Now, like those skills might overlap enough to give Wade or Okoro a spot or a chance uh, to, you know, to, to earn that spot just because of the way Donovan and Darius play. 
but like you just look at like who are the best five six basketball players on the team i just don't see a world in which you watching this team right now that karis wouldn't be on that list of names and the second time we've mentioned him on this podcast but steve jones jr mentioned that like he doesn't he's kind of like me where doesn't care as much about who starts or whatnot but kind of thinks it's easier if Levert's coming in off the bench but he likes that as the closing look and we saw last year in I, I guess it was only eight games really uh that we had a complete game of Garland Rubio and Sexton in the lineup and they closed I, I believe twice with Garland, Rubio, and Sexton all out there together. And I I think this kind of plays into it. It's obviously you got more size and length when you're doing that with Mitchell and Levert, but it allows you to kind of have that dynamic look where you have three ball handlers. You you don't know necessarily who's going to create and who's going to play off ball. I do have some uh, questions and concerns uh, from what I've seen so far. I do like, and I think it was more prevalent in the first game where I could tell Mitchell and uh, Levert were both trying to really make an effort to play defense on ball and to be disruptive and uh, to kind of show, hey, we're buying in on that end of the floor. The on-ball defense hasn't really been the biggest concern for Levert throughout his career. And the thing I noticed with both Mitchell and Levert is there are times where they do get lost off ball, where they do have the length, they have the lateral quickness, and you see that when they're guarding someone on ball, they have the lateral quickness to stay with somebody, but they're out of position and maybe the footwork's a little off so that when they close out, it's not going to be effective and they do get blown by. Uh, Maybe you don't notice that as much with Evan Mobley on the inside, but to me, it does make me wonder, hey, if we're going to have a bit of an adjustment period at the start of the year and there's going to be a feeling out process, do we want to lean on our defense to kind of, you know, raise our floor while we figure things out on the offensive end? So it's it's going to be interesting. I really hope we get some games with Evan Mobley in this preseason. I, I understand playing it safe. Uh, it's a sprained ankle. It's the most common thing. I think there's 45 across the NBA already in the preseason because this just happens. Um, but I would like to see Mobley out there because I, there's some questions that I feel like we aren't going to be able to answer until we see that unit all together, all five of them. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and it is an interesting question if you're JB or, or if even if you're a fan that's interested in this because, you know, the Karras at the three lineup might be the higher ceiling lineup, but if you're the Cavs and you just won 44 games by saying, hey, we're actually a defensive team. That is mm-hmm. our identity. Um, and, you know, we're a top five defensive team. If, if, you're, if you're JB, would you be okay with jumping up seven eight spots on offense uh in in the overall rankings uh but dropping down to eighth or ninth and on defense mm-hmm. because you've made the choice to to go with a darius donnie uh uh karis uh perimeter rotation uh yeah. to start you know and like i don't know if i'm comfortable with that to be honest and like mm-hmm. i think even though the effort is there uh on ball for karis and uh, and donovan right now i do think it is just so hard to be an elite off-ball defender uh and it and you know giving mobley and allen that extra bit of help like uh, part of me just wants them not to settle into an over-reliance on those two to clean up their mistakes so i i just like i love the idea of donovan being the second best you know by a clear margin defensive uh option on the perimeter 
uh, to start the season. And right now, I think he and Karras are probably equivalent level defenders. And by the way, whoo, that help side block uh, he had <laughs> in that second game was unbelievable. So you can really see him when he applies himself, he can be an event defender. But like to both of them, I do think, hey, you're going to have to focus your and like you're going to also have to really it's not just focus. Uh, it's also like, how are you going to handle uh, moments of duress? There have been quite a few in these first two games, defensive mix-ups where, you know, the the team scrambled and got in rotation and no one got out to that wing three-point shooter. Tyrese Maxey got quite a few of those looks. Tobias Harris got a few of those looks. They <laughs> I did a- enjoy AC being like, there's something about when we play Maxey, we seem to let him open. I'm like... Our guards need to step up a little bit defensively yeah. sometimes. Yep. It's, it's it's not magic. <laughs> yep. So I, I thought their defensive focus, like I if I, if you were asking me to give letter grades for the first two preseason games, I think the offense I would give a B B plus. I'd give the, the defense a, a, a C C minus. I think obviously you're you have to grade on a slight curve because Evan's not there, but I don't think that their defensive focus in transition has been super good, uh, nor their, you know, their ability to kind of once they get in rotation to snuff out possessions like they did so well uh, last year. But again, you know, this is the early part of the season. I'm, you know, I wouldn't expect double it's not A's. even the early part of the season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. I wouldn't expect double A's right now. I think they're figuring things out, figuring out new roles. And like, I, I would not hold it against them if they're thinking a little bit more on the offensive end, because they are all in, you know, very different roles than they were last year. Yeah. And, I think we are going to inevitably grade on a curve as well, right? Like this team has shown that they can defend at a really high level. And Mitchell has said himself that one of his personal goals is not to bring down uh, the the team's defensive rating. So uh, I think that's the standard you hold them to. Uh, the the other factor is it's preseason. The, nobody's going at 100% speed and defense is so much effort. Um, but, you know, like I, I think Karras and Mitchell showed that they can go out there and they can be disruptive, right? Like they're going to gamble every now and then. And that gambling is fine if you have that backline support when it's Isaiah Mobley and Robin Lopez or or Kevin Love or uh, even it, Dean Wade, who, you know, it looks like uh, he's working back to regain some of that lateral quickness. I think he doesn't look as quick on the defensive end of the floor as he did last season, which is probably to be expected, you know, coming off of that injury. Um, and he, he rolled his ankle as well in game two. Hopefully he'll he'll be back soon. Um, but, you, you know, it's just one of those things where rolled ankles happen, you miss a week, and uh, hopefully he's back and, and ready for the Toronto game. But um, I, I do think that gambling is a lot easier when you have like Isaac Okoro at small forward and Mobley and Allen behind them, right? Like it's easier to get away with that. But when you have two gamblers, you really got to have that backline support there. And I I think I almost prefer the Okoro method of I'm just going to play positionally sound defense and stay where I need to be versus the constant gambling. So it's, it's going to be a feeling out process, right? Like I'll be interested to see, does the footwork defensively off ball improve throughout the course of a season when uh, Mitchell continues to work with JB Bickerstaff and the rest of the coaching staff on improving his overall defensive impact on the court? That's going to be something that I'm going to be monitoring. One the- one thing that's also interesting, by the way, is you know we're we're worried about kind of 
the the defensive trade-off that comes with you know Karis to the three versus Okora at the three and kind of what needs to happen to make that work, aka Mobley and Allen have to clean everything up. You know, the the inverse is, you know, if Mobley's offensive game is further along, because we haven't gotten to see him yet, if it's further along than expected, maybe it's easier to accommodate Dean Wade or Isaac Okoro in that three in that small forward spot because he's already got that spacing to provide. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of variables here that's going to drive what are the actual best lineups for this team. You read my mind. The next thing I was going to is I really like Karras as that connector, bringing up the ball uh, in the half court. I thought he made a lot of smart second passes without, you know, stopping the ball. Like I, I thought he did a really, really good job. But how valuable is Karras the connector if Evan Mobley's out there doing that stuff? He's talked about bringing the ball up the court. We know that he's that half-court hub, right? That that outlet that guys can get the ball to. If he's taking that step forward and, and if he's trying to play a little bit more of a perimeter game, I completely agree with you, Carter. Like, that might change the calculus. And that's why I really hope that we do end up seeing Mobley play a little bit in the preseason because uh, a lot of this comes down to experimenting, right? Like, I, I think... I always think back to last year in the preseason where we lost the first game uh, by 40 to Chicago. Where they, and they the world like, was on fire. Uh, like 131 points. And, you know, like it, looking back on that preseason, the first three games, we started Garland, Sexton, Okoro as the perimeter. And JB switched things up and, and tried Lowry, and that ended up working because that was something they saw in practice. I'm interested to see. Do we try something different with Evan Mobley out there, even though Karras has played so well, just to, you know, exhaust all options and, and look at every, every single possibility? And uh, there's going to be experimenting that continues into the season. Like, yeah, part of me wonders, Justin, if they, if JB, because you know, normally you set your starters uh, to start the season, they, you kind of commit to that for, mm -hmm. for a while. I wonder if that's less likely, uh, given that, you know, uh, JB has had so little time in, in you know, uh, it, let's say Mobley doesn't play this preseason. I, I hope he will, but let's say he doesn't. If you're if you're JB, that conceptually would make you a little bit more willing to say, hmm, I'm going to, you know, I'm 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 going to make a call here, but like I'm not married to it. And it doesn't mean that, you know, whoever ends up going to the bench is a failure. It just means I didn't have enough data to, to work with early. Mm -hmm. it, it's very possible. I mean. It's, I could see it changing up by matchups. Um, it, you're, you're right. Like if Mobley doesn't play, I think that almost makes it more possible. Um, I've liked what I've seen out of Dean Wade. I haven't really seen a lot that like scream starter to me. Um, so, so let's, let's Okoro, talk. To, yeah. Okoro we can Wade. get into as well. Um, but he's kind of fallen into a similar camp. Although I, I definitely feel like we, we need to go a little more in depth on him. Yeah, I want to talk Wade first um, mm -hmm. because I thought he actually was awesome in the first game. Yeah, um, he was. Took five threes in like 23 minutes, made three of them. Um, was a very quick trigger shooter, which is really, I think, very important from a gravity perspective. Uh, he laced him from the wing, which really helps space things out. Um, shot him, He shot movement threes, which I don't yeah, think he did uh, at uh, all uh, last year. Yeah, a couple movement threes, which felt good. I thought his game in the second game was a little odd. It was almost like I, I I watched it actually wondering like I wonder if the coaching staff told him to freelance a little bit 
and look for a shot a little bit more. I mean, he took a a dribble pull up 15 footer with like 17 seconds on the shot clock. Like that is not <laughs> a prototypical Dean Wade shot. And I think it was a little bit of like, I, I'm not sure if it was him trying to kind of demonstrate, hey, I can stretch my game out enough to be in the starting group. Um, or if it was, you know, maybe a bit of coaching or maybe just, you know, having some fun and seeing how, you know, seeing how his game has developed in the off season and testing himself in a, in a, in a, you know, preseason setting. But I thought game one, Dean Wade certainly looked good enough to start at least on the offensive end. I think you're right that he does look a little slower on defense than he did last year in, in the swing of things. Yeah, um, which but, is part of why I kind of yeah. want to bring him along a little slower. Like sure. I e- even having him as the backup small forward, I, I think is appealing to me. Yeah, but I, I think the jumper looked um ha- looked has looked really strong. I loved the willingness. Again, he's taken eight threes in 46 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's you know, that's the kind of rate that you want to see from that that spot. I think that can be a big differentiator between someone like him and Isaac. If you're looking at the two more defensive options is because, you know, everyone's talking about how Wade is a better spacing option than Okoro. The percentages don't necessarily bear that out, but the volume might, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think it's certainly interesting how Wade has looked. And even though I thought he had kind of a bad game in game two, I think he was part of the reason that first quarter was so ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought game one was promising enough to at least be noteworthy, especially given, how quick he was firing some of those threes. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a real clear-cut option. Uh, like, a, I don't think there's a clear-cut choice to start at the three. Like, if you're going purely on performance, I, it's Karis LeVert. Uh, Agreed. I think Okoro and Wade both bring different things to the table, and uh, we're all going to bring our own personal biases to this. So, like, I Can I, can I, I tell you what really appeals to me about Isaac? What's that? Uh, he was part of a starting lineup on a team that won 44 games, <laughs> which was a top five defensive team. It, it, it's a really good point, Carter. But I, I ultimately feel we'll, we'll see what happens with these last two preseason games, but there's no clear-cut option. Unlike our choices when it comes to video streaming, the only option for us is Zoom, buddy. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. Let's get into Okoro Carter, because I, I I really liked his first game against Philadelphia. Um, both of the three-pointers uh, looked re- really flat to me. Uh, I, I know that's going to be the thing that most people focus on, is that three-point shot. Uh, the first one came, he kind of was breaking down a defender off the dribble, Gave it up, relocated, kind of stepped back to the three, and and it was flat. Uh, The second one was kind of a movement drifting into the corner, but not not a set shot, but not a true movement shot uh, from the corner. But everything other than that, I thought he looked really good. I, I thought his handle looked improved. I think his footwork looks better. Uh, he he missed the shot in game two, but there was that transition opportunity where he did a spin move. I thought that was a great take. Absorb the contact, uh, almost finished. It rimmed out, but he landed on his feet. And if you're talking about his first two years, that spin move is putting him on his feet and he's throwing up a, a wild shot trying to, to get it to the rim and, and maybe get a foul call. Uh, but I thought he looked a lot more assertive um, in that first game. 
And I really like the fact that he's attacking the offensive glass. He's, he's got eight rebounds in 35 preseason minutes. And a lot of that does come on the offensive end of the floor. And that is something he absolutely needs to do. Create those opportunities. He gets the offensive board. I think he got multiple and ones out of that situation in those games. Um, I still don't feel like he's done enough in the preseason sample size we have to really build like a strong starting case in comparison to Karis Levert. Levert's been better. But I'm liking that we're we're seeing some growth in, in different areas for Isaac Okoro. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just that's certainly a ga- glass half full. Uh, oh yeah, it, take um, it's preseason baby. Every every glass is, is three quarters full, even if it's uh, only got a few drops. Yeah, I think that like if you're a skeptic, you'll say he hasn't made a three yet. Um, and okay. his, you know, his game, he's played one game where he was pretty okay offensively and another one where he's kind of bad. Um, uh, you know, again, not an event player, Z- zero steals and blocks in that first game. Not sure about the second one. Um, but I kind of agree. I think he had looked, you know, he was appropriately opportunistic, uh, in that first game as a cutter, um, and found himself, uh, trips to the line and made all of his free throws, which, and the stroke looked really good at the line for him, which I think is encouraging. So I don't know. I just, I can't help but think he's just the kind of guy who like, I just think he, the lineups he's playing in do not super serve his current skill set. You know, like he played kind of deep into the third quarter in the first game after all the start, all after all the starters were out. Um, And, you know, he's playing with, you know, Neto and, and and Wade and Lamar Stevens and like and I feel like when he got to play when the offense was cooking and he got to play alongside Donovan and Darius he looked a lot more comfortable on the court offensively uh he didn't get a lot of wide open three-point spot-up opportunities and we'll have to see you know that it's such a small sample that I think if you're already deciding that three-pointer is just still busted then I I don't know I'm not there yet mm-hmm. but um I, I do think like he is a guy who right now continues to benefit from playing around, you know, better players. And also, frankly, we get to notice him on defense a little bit more because that's when, you know, when you're playing in the starting unit, your unit, you tend to play with against other star players that you yeah. can pre- presumably then go lock down. He, um, he, he gave Maxi fits uh, in the second game. That, that was one thing I noticed when, when he came in. Uh, everything became a lot harder for, for Maxi. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So I, I think that it's it's a spot right now where he hasn't shown enough to win the starting job. I think no. he has shown some, but also I think like you know this is why I kind of would love to see him get some more minutes with those those that group. And I also really want to see Evan Mobley play. I mean, I think we cannot overstate how hard it is to evaluate this small forward spot when the rest when you know when when the the identity of the team which is to me still Mobley and Allen anchoring the defense um oh you know isn't available to them Mm -hmm. no I I completely agree and for me I thought the the first game was a lot better than the second game like the, the second game he played he played 19 minutes Jetty played 17 and took four shots more than him Isaiah Mobley took more shots than him. Uh, like Lamar Stevens took more shots than him. Like I, I want to see him continue to be assertive, 
even if that assertiveness is more kind of, you know, showcasing the handle and the drive, because we talked about this in the past, Carter, what we want to see more of from Isaac Okoro, if we could pick one between the shot and the dribble. And I, th- I think we both picked dribbling because he's got such a good basketball IQ and he's got such a good sense of the game where he can be that connecting guy. He can make the right pass. He's a really good finisher at the rim. And if that's what it's going to be for him this year, if the low volume three and D spot up in the corner guy isn't what he's able to bring to the table, but he is able to bring that. I'm okay with him coming in off the bench and functionally playing as the backup shooting guard for this team, right? Like if what we saw in those games was we saw point Mitchell in both of those games where there wasn't Howell Neto Mitchell was playing the point. If the second unit is Mitchell Okoro at shooting guard, Dean Wade, Kevin Love, and Evan Mobley. I think you got three good defenders there uh, that allows uh, Okoro to attack the basket with space around him. I think you can kind of facilitate that if that's the way that his growth is going. But he needs to remain more assertive. What what he did in the second game offensively, I, I like the takes that he did. It just wasn't enough of them. And that can't be the case when you're competing for the starting job because we know what he can bring to the table on the defensive end of the court. We know he's a good transition player. We know he makes smart plays. But if he isn't maintaining that assertiveness at all times, we need to see that motor at work. And that's that's the biggest thing to me. I, I want to see more field goal attempts from him out of these remaining games. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like with Isaac, it's a story of volume. Like, we just need more of everything <laughs> to, to really earn the spot because it's just a more competitive rotation this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think he's a rotation player on this team. I think he, uh, you know, is, you know, it, even if, if Karras or Dean uh, gets the start, he's either the backup two or the backup three um, and should should have an opportunity for minutes. But, like, he is going to have to earn them and he's going to have to become find a way to, you know, to make a, you know, a notable impact or these guys who just are big, make more splash plays are going to get more, uh, you know, more run than him. Yep. Yeah. And JB Bickerstaff commented, uh, it was a good piece by Kelsey Russo, I believe, uh, talking about how they kind of pigeonholed Okoro at times last year. Right. And they want to allow him to have that freedom to explore his game. And, who knows? Maybe that does mean what I was talking about before about coming in off the bench and letting him get some ball handling reps alongside Mitchell, right? Like maybe that's the way this goes. And um, like, I, I think the floor of what a coral brings to the table is a player that's going to be in the league for a long time. But currently that what his skill set is on the offensive end of the court kind of lends itself to being kind of like a seventh or eighth man. And he needs to show, Hey, I can take that step forward. I, I can be more than what I am now. And we, we got to remember how young he is. Like uh, people will compare him to Matisse Thibel. He's still younger than Thibel was in his rookie season. And that's uh, crazy. I, that and, was a good stat you used in the discord today. Th- I was proud you. of you. <laughs> I'm always workshopping my takes in the Discord. You know how this works. Uh, but no, like the, I, I think there's room to grow uh, for Isaac Okoro. And who knows? Maybe that does mean coming in off the bench because um, like, we might not love Karis LeVert at the three, but I, I think that'll work. Like, I, I think that that's, 
you know, it, it's a choice that makes sense and it does bring a lot of things to the table. Or you could go Dean Wade at the starting three if that's what's best for Isaac Okoro's development. Because as much as we're trying to win this year, we are still trying to develop everyone internally. And flipping Okoro for like just a, a three and D wing, like a Robert Covington out of the air, like that doesn't benefit anything because we're not trying to win a championship this season. It's about maximizing all the talent that's on the roster, whether that means uh, as part of the team moving forward or potentially elevating someone's status as a trade chip. So uh, I'm curious to see how they use them. It's funny that you frame it that way, because I think it kind of in my head, the, the, the framing of like, you know, not trying to win a championship this year. I think that kind of explains why I feel no Okoro angst. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like uh, among our discord uh, listeners and the conversations in there, I, I, sometimes I, I feel like there's a lot of angst mm-hmm. and I'm just like, well, he'll either be good enough to be really helpful this season or he might take some more time or whatever. But it's like, you know, it just feels like a year for him to really find himself. Um, and if he does, uh, that's awesome. I think he'll earn a ton of minutes if he doesn't. Well, bummer, but we have some players who are, you know, I think ready, ready made to help right now. So, yeah. you know, I, I think I just I feel very little Okoro angst and I kind of hope the organization uh, doesn't either, because mm-hmm. I think I think that, you know, if if Isaac's like, if I don't make every corner three, I'm never going to get to play like that's not going to be good for his development either. Yeah. And, and I think part of why you don't hear or talk about the three point shot when it comes to Okoro is. He shot 40% from three after December last year. I'm sure he's making his threes in practice. It's about getting it to translate to a game, right? Like that, that is the number one thing is getting what you do in practice to uh, like actually having that come to fruition on the court and doing it at a volume that matters. Because uh, even if he went from 40% from three down to 37 at a higher volume, that's going to make a big difference. I, I'd take 35 at, at a higher volume if it came with the increased assertiveness where he's getting those offensive rebounds and uh, creating other opportunities. He's finishing at the rim. He's creating for others, right? Like I, I think that there's more he can bring to the table. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out, but I think some of the angst has to do with him being the fifth overall pick, right? Like there's a different set of expectations that come with that. But the reality is once you get drafted, it doesn't matter where you were picked, like you, your skill set is going to determine your role. And uh, the team doesn't have to make different decisions because he's picked fifth versus someone that's undrafted, which I think the undrafted comp and, and someone that people are like, oh, well, he can bring the same things as a Coro is Lamar Stevens. And I find it interesting, Carter. It, you pointed this out to me as well. And uh, when Isaiah Mobley checked in um, in the first quarter, you you messaged me about that. And re-watching the game again today, uh, I think the intention for that was to move Dean Wade over to the small forward position. But it is interesting that Lamar Stevens only seems to be getting in garbage time. And I wonder if that is just a uh, I wonder if that has to do with having so many guys that the first two games are to get a look at a certain group of guys and we're going to see a different group in the second half of the preseason, or if that is a reflection that he isn't really in the rotation right now. I think it's 100% a reflection that he's not in the in the rotation right now because mm-hmm. uh, you look at game one, um, how well Neto was getting minutes in the second quarter. Um, and, and game two, he didn't, but it feels like Lamar has really only played 
once the you know once yeah once the switch has been flipped and the end of bench guys are getting in um and you know i think that you i think there's some logic to the fact that isaiah mobley is more of a pure four than lamar so if you want to see Wade at the three it makes some sense there and you know what uh jb might uh you know play lamar in the first quarter uh, tomorrow <laughs> and knows? will look stupid um but right now you know i i think it was my expectation that lamar wouldn't be in the rotation um but i was surprised that uh isaiah was getting run uh ahead of him just given what lamar's meant to the team lamar's veteran status and frankly that lamar right now is a better basketball player than isaiah mobley so uh i i think it's certainly surprising what are your early thoughts on isaiah in an nba setting because i think i think my takeaway is he's going to need a lot of time in the g league this year yeah he, he's going to need a season in the g league i did think in the first game he looked better than he did in summer league. Like you could tell with NBA spacing. Yep. His made a ability, couple really nice passes. His ability as a passer really comes through. I think the offensive game is going to take some time. I, I think it's going to take some time in the G League as well to figure out his best defensive position as well, because he can play both the four and the five. I think he's more of a natural four. Um, just kind of looking at, at his size and, and mobility. But I it definitely looks like he's going to need some time. And and I agree with your assessment of Lamar as well. Like I, I think, I think we both expected him to not be in the regular season rotation, but I would have figured with Dylan Windler out even uh, that you would see him more in the preseason rotation. Um, but you know, it, it makes sense because if everyone's fully healthy, the depth chart at the power forward position, I, I think is going to be Evan Mobley, Kevin Love and Dean Wade. And Dean Wade is probably going to be one of the backup threes as well, alongside Isaac Okoro and Jetty Osman, uh, and maybe even Dylan Windler uh, once he comes back from his Poor Dylan, ankle. man. Yeah, poor guy. Right after we talked to Jamal, and, and we're so excited to, to see him in the preseason, he's one of the, the hundreds that has a, a rolled ankle in the preseason. Just the absolute worst injury. You know, if there was a trainer that could find a way to prevent sprained ankles in basketball that person would be the richest man alive you are not kidding that almost felt like an ad read setup for some reason i don't know why that (laughs) i don't know why that happened but it did do i got a trainer for you it's me baby (laughs) (laughs) my ankles were always bleeding when i was playing basketball because i just tape them up and they were always sprained always swollen it was just is the absolute worst no everybody I, I want to I want to see Dylan. Uh, I want I want to see him get some opportunities, but it just it kind of makes sense. Like uh, I know Lamar is going to be ready, and that's something that I don't think we should take for granted as fans. Like it's really nice to have that as an option, but um, the time's going to come. Injuries happen. No nobody plays eighty two anymore. Uh, you're going to play it safe with injuries. You have depth for a reason, and, and I expect them to use it. So when his opportunity comes, I, I'm sure he he's going to give them some. Uh, minutes of hard basketball because that's how he plays yeah absolutely uh, any other players jump out to you that uh that have been getting burned with the with the team i thought Nato's minutes were really really solid uh uh in that first game Neto was real fun i i was thinking of you when i when i was watching him play because he he's fun he's ex- watching how old Neto in that first game made me think if this guy was just on our roster all of last season we would have won four more games uh, with the injuries yep. they had, losing Rondo and just having a, a guy that plays hard on defense, makes the right play, can organizes the offense. Like, 
I, I think that, you know, I think that if he were the only backup point guard on the roster and they hadn't signed Ricky and we weren't expecting Ricky to come back, I would have been happy with that. I, I think I would have been okay with that. I wouldn't have been like over the moon, but like you look at the backup point guards in the league, it's not like there's a ton of dudes way better than Howell Neto out there. So I was pretty pleased with his minutes. Um, I've also been pleased with Robin Lopez uh, in limited action. Um, Carter, I got he, a name for you. Oh, Jared Allen. My God, it's so nice to see him back on a basketball court. Oh, yeah, court. it is Jared- nice. Jarrett was awesome in that second game. He had some weird uh, <laughs> missed finishes uh, in the first game. But, you know, he, just seeing him out there, uh, I think the refs swallowed their whistle a little bit because they didn't want a preseason game to go on forever. And Philly was just doing the Toronto strategy of contact on every play defensively. Um, but it's so nice to see Jarrett out there. It's nice to see the chemistry. Like, he, he's got automatic chemistry with Mitchell. He's got chemistry with Garland. He's got chemistry with Lavert. Like, he's just fills in all the gaps and having not really seen him healthy with the Cavs since like March of last year, it, it's nice to see him back there on the basketball court. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, you know, I, I think that he's looked really, really good offensively in the second game um, really was punishing uh, the, the Sixers without Embiid out there. Um, and yeah, it is definitely nice to see him. I feel really good about the center position. I think Robin looks good enough to help. Um, which is a hell of a screen, man. <laughs> it's yeah. so nerdy, but my hell, God, he sets a hell of a screen. <laughs> hell of a screen. Um, you know, does the does the seal thing, uh, to uh, to help deep defending bigs to get his guys easy layups. Jared had a really good one of those uh, too, uh, in the second game. Uh, and just seems like he's going to be a really fundamental uh, helper on the team. And I I left that game feeling pretty good that he's going to get run even when the team is fully healthy. Uh, at at the big position because he's just having stability at the five is just so comfortable and so helpful for a, a team that is going to pride itself on defense. And I just, I just have it. I just cannot shake the suspicion that JB is going to keep going back to him. So uh, looking at the end of rotation guys, uh, Sharif Cooper had some really fun moments I like uh, in that first I, game. I, I hope he sticks around in, in some form or fashion. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you look at, uh, you know, they have that 15th roster spot. Uh, you know, he feels like the kind of guy where, you know, if if a guy like RJ might get promoted up to the active roster, you yep. have that extra two-way open. Um, he does look talented when he's out there. And, you know, that's really all you're looking for mm-hmm. from your, you know, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th people in a training camp roster. Um, and I, I think he's certainly... Uh, Cleared that bar. Uh, Dikite looked really good as a rim runner in that first game. Not so yeah. good in the second game when they were clearly looking for some of those plays out of him. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think that... Do you think any of these guys have a real shot to make the roster jumping out at you right now? I think Cooper would be the one that would jump out at me for the, for the camp invites just because, you know, Ricky's still hurt and you might want, uh, you know, someone to fill some minutes in case Neto or Garland get banged up. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even be surprised rather than promoting RJ. Maybe you just give Sharif the, the 15th spot on a non-guaranteed deal and see kind of how he fits. Or like, I, I could see that situation be managed similar to Brandon Goodwin last year. Um, I'm all for keeping Sharif around. Uh, it's, I think it's so cool that he and Okoro are on the same team again. And he, he's talented. Like he, He's a really really good passer uh you can tell he, he's got a, a an ability to go out there and score and i i can't help but 
think that there's something there. Like I, I know we both kind of liked him going into the draft. If the Cavs were able to get like a, I think we thought he was going to be a late first, uh, but he ended up going in the second round. I, I just kind of want to keep him around. I think uh, Diakite uh, also looked good. I, I liked him. I don't think anyone has looked good enough to like get a guaranteed deal, but I, I do think that there's guys that have shown enough to land on a roster, whether whether it's the Cavs or somewhere else. Couldn't agree more, man. It's been fun. I'm excited that we the it's been a weird preseason where the Cavs games were so spread out, but now we finally get some freaking games. It'll be fun. Uh, I, I think that was part of why it looked so sloppy. I, I know they commented on this too that like five days off was just weird. Uh, like it, it's amazing that some teams are playing like their fourth preseason game already, and like I know the Sixers were playing their third against us, right? Like there, there's just it's weird the way that it's been spread out, but at least, you know, if Mobley's timeline is closer to the one week versus the two, only having that one game in the first week is a nice thing. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I hope we get to see Mobley either tomorrow or Friday, Um, you know, one final dress rehearsal. Cause, and I know oftentimes that last preseason game is kind of the all bench game. So, you know, I would love to see uh, at least one game with, you know, the projected starters playing together. Tomorrow's um, in Cleveland we'll too, see. right? Tomorrow is in Cleveland yeah. against Atlanta. Yeah. Well, if you're going to have everyone out there, it'd be nice. But uh, I, I'm pretty sure that the uh, Mobley decision will be a little more health based than. Uh... It's not. It's not about vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I think. Damn. I think it's. Sorry, Steve I, Spiro, man. He, I, he needs to. He needs to. <laughs> he should just call us. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought you were going to go a little longer than that, and, and I just kind of awkwardly paused and sat there. No, I, I think it's going to be health versus vibes, uh, but I would love to see kind of a, a full squad uh, on Wednesday, and then you know you can you can toss Friday away. But uh, m- number one thing I'm rooting for is no serious injuries. Uh, I saw the Marvin Bagley one today, and like my my heart is like broken because I, I thought he had a good opportunity there in Detroit, and that looks serious. And I just absolutely hate it. So uh, good vibes all around. Hope everyone stays healthy and uh, can avoid major injuries. Do you have anything else uh, you're looking forward to the, these next two games before we wrap this up, Carter? No, I just want to see. I'm just excited to have his basketball is back. And, you know, I think we're going to be uh, heading to the land for the home opener. Hell yeah, buddy. going to be fun. So if, uh, if you're going to that game, come, you know, hit us up. Try to say hi. Uh, it's getting real. Yell man. at us randomly if you see us in public. Oh, just, that's just our favorite thing. Us. Berate uh, us. Unironically, our favorite thing is when when we're <laughs> when we're accosted by strangers. So uh, so yeah, really excited, and it's it's getting it's getting real, man. The jerseys look good too, don't they? Yes, they do. The jerseys court, and the court, court looks good. Really jerseys good. look good. Everything, you know. I think it has been a successful brand refresh for uh, Daniel Arsham and the boys. The vibes are immaculate, my friend. Big thanks to everyone that tuned in live on YouTube. If you want to support us, like, subscribe, click notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast, leave us a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Until next time, go okay.
a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 